Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. I also, as we get started in the Word today, just wanted to thank the church. Um, October is deemed, I don't know who deemed it as Pastor Appreciation Month, uh, but in uh, yesterday at the Cornrows, there was a nice cake and a nice card that I received on behalf of the church. And so I just want to say thank you so much. Uh, but what I want to do is kind of deflect this morning and say that we should appreciate everyone who serves in the ministries at Weston. And there are many behind the scenes, like while we're in here, all the kids workers, there are people that serve uh, during the week when, when no one else is here. And I think uh, that we just deserve to thank every single one of you, and some are already in the classroom serving. Um, but I would just like to show appreciation uh, just by a big hand of applause to th- everyone who serves. And the reason is simple. It's because ministry can't happen if the church doesn't show up. Did, did you catch that? Ministry will not happen if the church doesn't show up and we don't play our part. And so this is not my design. This is not a person's design. This is the way God designed his church to function. And so I just want to say I'm so grateful that at Weston we have a solid core team of people who serve and will say, Pastor, just tell me what, what do we need to do and we'll get it done. And for that, I, I'm just full of thanks. Um, this morning, I'm excited to preach the word. Um, the, the title is a bit different uh, because if you don't listen carefully and you just listen quickly, you'll misinterpret the title. The title of this morning's message is Cracked Pots. And we are all cracked pots. So if you say it quickly or you listen too quickly, you'll miss the actual title. So I had to put a, a title screen for you. Cracked Pots. And uh, with God's help this morning, we're going to get through this message and uh, we're going to understand what God's plan is for each one of us. Last week, if you were here with us, um, it was Thanksgiving weekend. Many, maybe you were traveling, but just to fill you in, to backfill on what we talked about, uh, we, we basically talked about the simplicity of the gospel, which is centered around the death burial, and resurrection of Christ. And remember, there are so many things that we could thank God for, but last week I challenged each one of us to remember the basics, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and that we ought to thank Him every single day for these three incredible things that He has accomplished for us and done for us. And we talked about not overcomplicating the gospel for people. Uh, usually your own story is a great place to start. Remember how life was before Jesus, how you encountered him, and, and, and then thirdly, what changed in your life afterwards. And so the challenge that we have is that we all agree that the gospel is simple, yet people tend to be complicated, right? The simple, yeah, death, burial, resurrection. The gospel is simple, but yet people tend to be complicated. So there is this tension that exists uh, in the mission now of preaching the gospel and of sharing it. Uh, You know what? Not only is the audience um, somewhat, life gets complicated, so the audience might have, um, you know, 
different scenarios, different life stories, different things that they're going through. But maybe you also as the messenger are going through some things in life, um, maybe thinking like, who am I to share this gospel message? My prayer is that by the time we leave this place, uh, you will recognize the ministry that God has called each one of us to. Not just a pastor, but every single believer. And so Matthew 9, 12, we're not at our main text quite yet, but I just want to uh, work our way to our main text in 2 Corinthians. But if you have your Bible, Matthew 9, 12, Jesus said this, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Right? I'm sure you would all agree. If you've ever been to a hospital, if you've ever been sick, uh, when you're fine, you don't go to the hospital. You don't want to see your doctor when, you're, when things are going well. But when you're not feeling well, you probably need to go see your doctor. Or you're thinking, I need to go to the hospital or I need to go to eMERGE. So Jesus said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And then in verse 13, he goes on to say, For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So Jesus knew that his audience wasn't the well or those who thought they were well. Because if you, if you think you're healthy and you try to, you know, your doctor sees your results or, you know, he, he, there's, no, there's no way to reason with you. So, but Jesus was saying is very much the same way. He goes, I didn't come to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So Jesus is dealing with messy people. Jesus actually was eating with sinners, and, and the religious people had issues with that, and they're saying, why, why is he doing this? Why is he? Uh, but Jesus knew that he was on what? He was on mission. Jesus knew what he had to do. And he said, I didn't come for those who are well. I came for those who are not well, the sinners. We are all there, Matthew 9, 12, and 13. We see what Jesus said. Now Matthew 28, 18 and 19 says this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority. Say all authority. Jesus said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, go. Well, why is therefore there? We have to ask that question. Because a lot of times we just say the Great Commission is go into all the world and preach the gospel. But it says, therefore, as a result of, go into all the world. So as a result of what? Jesus said, I have been given all authority where? In heaven and on earth. As a result of that truth, therefore, go into all the world. Why? Because Jesus knew, again, those of you who were in my young adults class, we're going through the book of Acts, that the promise of the Father is that we would receive power, Acts 1.8, to be witnesses. Right? Yes? Can I get a witness? You can say amen. Right? So you would receive power. What, what happened is with the Holy Spirit inside of us, we've been given the name above all names, Jesus, and all authority and power in his name. Therefore, 
as a result of what we have received, we ought to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Jesus said, I didn't come for those who are well or those who even think they're well. I came for the sinners, those who know that they are sinners. So, I mean, the gospel is simple, but people's situation and people themselves can be very complicated. If you've ever talked to people you, or, or you just examine your own life, you know that life gets sticky and complicated pretty easily. And so the gospel is simple, but the people we are trying to minister to and oftentimes we ourselves are, are a complicated group. Amen? And so how, how does this all work? How does this work that God is using us to, to reach people with a simple gospel. How do we do it? How does this all work? Well, we make our way to Ephesians chapter 4. And I pray that you're tracking with me this morning before we get to our main text. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 and 12. In speaking about the work of ministry. Now these are the gifts Christ gave the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. So the fivefold ministry, that's how it's often referred to, the fivefold ministry. And in verse 12, it says this about the fivefold ministry their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So oftentimes, you would see the pastor. And when we think of ministry, you would think that it's the pastor's duty to do it all. And maybe back in the day, the pastor tried to do it all. And maybe they even pulled it off successfully. But it's not that simple. So here's the beauty. Here's the beauty. God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And he actually says... It says in Ephesians 4 that these are gifts that God gave to the church. It's, and I don't have time to get into all of these offices and ministries. But basically what we need to understand for today is their responsibility is to equip the saints, the church, God's people for the work of his ministry. Thank you for the one amen. <laughs> Can everyone say amen? amen? Good. Say amen now if you believe it and want to practice it. Amen. amen. This is how, this is God's word. This is God's design, God's plan. So one of my pr primary responsibilities as your pastor is to equip you to do the work of ministry. And, and when you look at ministry... You have to understand what Jesus said. We didn't come for the clean, the neat, the tidy, and the proper. I think ministry is actually meant to be messy. And you want to write that down and remember it. Because if ministry in your head is this neat and tidy thing that we just do here, we're getting it all wrong. This is the classroom of the Holy Spirit on a Sunday morning. If it's your first time ever in church, God bless you. Welcome to church. Um, but this is the classroom. My job this morning is to equip you with the tools you will need to be able to minister once we dismiss. And that's why we say church, we're gathered here 
But you are the church, not the building. This is a, a facility that we've dedicated for this purpose, to gather, to meet, to call down the presence of God. But when we walk out, this is when church starts. Because we are the church. And, and wherever we go, we have a ministry. And I, I know I'm, it's not a popular message. I don't expect anyone after to say, Pastor, thank you for that encouraging word. But my job is to equip you with the truth of God's word to do what God has called us to do. So again, verse 12, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So two responsibilities as a pastor, as one of those fivefold ministries, is to equip the saints, to empower you, to give you tools to do the work of ministry. So you can't dodge what scripture is saying on that one. You have to be willing as a believer to say, yes, Lord, here I am. Send me. I'm ready to do the work of ministry. And then secondly, part of my responsibility is to build up the church, the body of Christ. It's not only on the pastor, but there are offices that are mentioned there, five in total. We have teachers, uh, apostles, prophets, and evangelists. And, uh, and we don't have time to get into that, but I just needed to say all that to lay the groundwork for where we're going to park ourselves in Scripture. So if you have your Bible, would you stand with me and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2? 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and we'll begin reading at verse 4. Sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 1, you probably have it on the screen and saying, Pastor John, what are you saying? Verse uh, chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we'll begin reading at verse 1. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. If you're there, shout amen. All right, let's go. Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, your Bible might say this new ministry. It's the ministry of the new covenant under the power of the Holy Spirit. Because of this, we never give up. Verse 2, we reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand his message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. That's where I get our title for today, Cracked Pots, containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Lord, I thank you for the counsel of your word. I thank you that we're encouraged and we're lifted up 
by your word. We're never bashed with your word, but we're encouraged and we're built up as your body. And Father, I pray today you would accomplish everything that you need to in the hearts and lives of your people. Lord, anoint my mind, my lips, and my heart as I speak your word. And Father, I pray I would speak only the words that you would have me to speak this morning. I thank you for the humble privilege I have to be before your people to share your word. I pray for your anointing now upon us all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. So we had to lay the groundwork to get to 2 Corinthians because now Paul is writing to the church there in Corinth saying this ministry, this, this, uh, this new thing that is inside of us is not our own, it's special. And as a church, we have to understand the message is you might be sharing your testimony, but it's not about you. The gospel is always about who? Jesus. Without Christ, there is no gospel. There's no death, burial, resurrection. So though you might share your testimony and share your story about how God intervened and how you had this wonderful encounter with him and how your life has been ever since, it's actually less about you. It's more about Christ in you, the hope of glory. And this is the beautiful part. And so this light and power is not ours. We're simply cracked pots or clay pots, very fragile, containing this great treasure. And so the first thing we see in this text is the call to preach. The call to preach. Verse 1, since God has given us this ministry or this new way, we never give up. Listen. I wonder why that's in the scripture. Because it's not a walk in the park. If we're dealing with uh, people's mess, right? We're bringing a message. And, and not to use cliches, but they say, oh, God can turn your test into a testimony. And he'll take your mess and turn it into a message. Like those are, those are cute to say. But when you're actually dealing with people who are walking through mud and through a mess... It's, it's, it's not pretty. It's not as pretty as the cliche phrases sound. You have to be willing to roll up your sleeves and to get your hands dirty sometimes as you walk with people through the trial and through the fire. As you walk with them and, and, and lead them back to Christ, the solid rock. You know, we used to sing the hymn, He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today, a song of praise, hallelujah. I grew up playing that on the drums. It was one of my favorite hymns because I loved how it just put that because I felt like that as a kid. I'm like, I don't have to walk through the mud anymore. I'm on the rock and his name is Jesus. But here's the thing. Who has given us this ministry? In verse 1, he's declaring, God has given us this ministry If it was just my decision to be a pastor, guess what? In all honesty, today, given everything that happened in the last 48 hours, I wouldn't want to be in church. I'm a human being. I need to grieve the loss of my grandfather. And uh, I have to lead the funeral service. But you know what? I wouldn't want to be here if I can be honest with you. You, you want, remember I always say uh, people will always want to follow a leader who's always real than one who's always right. I'm just being real with you. Uh, I would rather curl up in my home with my wife and my kids and just be alone. But I have to understand, if, if it was my decision to be a pastor, 
then I could make that decision to stay home. Are you with me? If it was my decision to pick up this mic, my decision, and say, I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to preach God's word. If it was my choice and my decision, guess what? It would also be my choice to stay home today. But since God has given me a ministry, I don't give up. And we can't give up. But God has given me a ministry, so I need to show up. It's not my own. It's his. And so what God has called me to do, I must show up. Church, he's called all of us to preach the gospel, Ephesians 4, right? To, we're equipped to do his, the work of his ministry. Therefore, we can't give up. We can't give up. We have to show up. Yeah, but life, I know, life gets hard. I know, life gets messy sometimes. But we can't give up. It's not ours. If it was ours, you could make the decision. But since it's his ministry that we've been called to, we can't give up. This is what Paul was telling the church. In verse 2, he's saying, we tell the truth before God. And he is also referring to underhanded methods and, and, and different kinds of ways that people have tried. He said, we don't try to trick anyone and we don't distort the word of God. And this is the beauty of the gospel. It's simple and we don't have to change it. I want you, I want you to know, this is an old book but it's the, still the, the number one bestseller. I want you to know that the pages are alive. The words that are contained in this book are alive and active. Hebrews chapter 4. That it still has the ability to cut straight through the noise of your life. To pierce right through to the core of who you are. And this is the power of the word of God. And so we don't have to distort it. We don't have to change what God has said. What he has said, he will do. And listen, Isaiah talks about the grass will wither, the flowers, no matter how beautiful they will grow, they'll fade too. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And so we don't distort the word of God. God gave it to us, and we preach it as we received it. And we preach it. So the message ought to never change. But guess what does change? The method and the medium. The medium meaning the platform. It doesn't only have to be from, the from this pulpit or this platform. We have a podcast, right? We have a podcast. We have social media platforms. There's YouTube. You can go on. Those are different mediums of getting the message out of the good news. The method is how we do it. One day, it could be a skit. It could be a testimony time. It could be an interview. It could be a, through worship. It could be through many different methods. It could be a drama presentation. The methods can change, but what we cannot afford to compromise is the message as we have received it. The gospel does not change. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Right? So we don't distort it. And this is what Paul was telling them. We tell the truth and he says something interesting. Notice in verse 2, he doesn't say we tell the truth before you as the readers, as the people. He's saying we tell the truth before God. And so though you might be speaking to a crowd, God is actually the one that we're doing it for. And so what, what also comes to mind and what's important in the ministry that we've each been given is we don't minister to impress a crowd we don't try to win people's approval. 
We minister for heaven's approval. And this is an important factor. I don't come here so that you can pat me on the back at the end of the service and say, Pastor, what a, what a wonderful sermon. What a great message. Sometimes you tell me and I say, thank you so much. I give God all the glory. And I mean it. And I'm grateful that you would tell me if it, if it resonated with you. But the reality for each of us, not just for me, is that we don't preach to impress. I, I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm not criticizing other ministers. I will never do that. It's not who I am. God is the judge of everyone's motive. But when we minister, it's to minister. It's not to impress. It's not to, to win the applause of people. I'm not interested in that kind of ministry. I'm interested in heaven's approval on my ministry. And I think that all of us should adopt that mentality because Paul said it. He said, we tell the truth. He didn't say before you. He said before God. And we preach the gospel. And so that's the call to preach. And we've each been given a different ministry in terms of the platform that we have. I said this on Friday to our young adults. I don't get to walk where you walk. I don't get to meet the people that you meet. I don't get to talk to the people that you talk to and, and you get to, you know, your, your entourage. I don't have the privilege. Maybe you're like, Pastor, you're not cool enough. That's okay. Uh, but you're cool enough. Guess what? You have a platform that I don't have. So you have to be ready to bring the gospel. And the gospel doesn't have to be anything fancy. All it has to be is living inside of you. And we're going to get there this morning. So the call to preach. Then there's uh, that we are to expect the results. And not only good results, but sometimes the results will vary when we go to, to, to step forward and bring the gospel. But in verses 3 and 4, uh, it's telling us not everyone receives it. It's like there's a veil that, that they don't see what you, what you see. They don't hear what you're saying. And they don't view it as good news. Um, as I'm thinking and reflecting on my grandfather's life, I'm going to say one thing just at the end of the message today um, that I learned from him. But one thing is, every time he would share the gospel, I mean, he, his family disowned him back in Italy when he got saved. Uh, but, but I have a video of him, and I won't show this at the funeral because he mentions family members' names. Uh, but he said that they, they rejected us because he would try to bring the gospel. He got saved. He was transformed. And, and basically, his brother-in-laws were like, get out of here. You're, you're crazy. You're crazy. And so the results of the preaching of your ministry, they'll vary. They'll vary. Some people will be ripe and they'll be ready. And other people just won't care. And they won't receive it. But does it mean that we ought to stop? No. We still are called to do it. Uh, and he said, verse 4, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. So we can't get upset with people who don't, who don't understand the gospel. We can't get upset with people who shun us away. But verse 4 gives us a key. Don't get mad at people. Get even madder, if I could say that grammatically. Get madder at the devil. Because it's him who puts a veil over the people. And listen, it's not our responsibility to make sure that the results are what we expect. We have to do our part, but then we have to allow the Holy Spirit to take the word and do his part. Can you say amen? 
So we ought to expect the results to vary. Be faithful to the message and perfect the method, but only Jesus can save. And what I want to say on that note is I've seen a few times where I, like I'm trying so desperately to communicate so that they can understand, so that they can receive, so I can lead them in a prayer to give their heart to the Lord. And I've almost done everything I could, but it didn't happen. And I, I, I just, I say this for you to learn from my experience. And I felt Jesus say, listen, you're not me. You didn't die on the cross. So why are you trying to save people? You're not the Savior. I am. And I was like, okay. All I've been called to do is share. Share the gospel. And I say, Jesus, I trust you. You are the one who has to do the work now. It doesn't mean we give up and we say, you know, it's a one-shot deal and then I'll never talk to them again. Um, but, but we take those opportunities. But then we say, God, you have, you have the final word now, not me. Expect the results to vary. The next thing is this special treasure. We have a special treasure. And this is, if you got nothing out of this morning yet, I pray that, that this is what you would hear this morning. Verse 6. I want to read it with you. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts. So who is the light that shined in the darkness? Jesus. But now it's saying that he has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. So there's this transfer of light that Jesus is the light of the world, but now he's made this light to shine inside of us. And then verse 7 says this, We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. And, and this is really, as I was preparing for this message, where I got really excited. And I know that you're going to be encouraged with this part this morning. If you haven't been encouraged yet, this is the part. And here's the reason why. And here's the question that I asked God this week with this text. I said, God, if this light is so special that your word calls it a treasure, why on earth would you put it in a flawed, cracked pot? Why? Why would you take your treasure, this light and this power, and put it in, which is perfect, and put it inside imperfection? Why would you do that? But the answer is right there in verse 7. Did you know that? If you read it, you'll see it. He says that he's put, uh, like, we, have, we, ha we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. And here's the answer. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. You see it? We have a ministry. People, the gospel is simple. People tend to be complicated. We tend to be complicated. But God wanted it that way. Why? So that it's undeniable when we begin to speak and share about what God has done. People won't see Jonathan. You know what they're going to see? They're going to see Jesus. People won't see you. 
they're going to see Jesus inside of you. It's his light, and it's his power. For those of you in my class uh, on Friday nights, that word power here in the Greek is dunamis, the same as Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Dynamite power. Dunamis is where we get our English word dynamite. That's the connection. So what's inside of this cracked pot, this clay pot, this fragile thing, is dynamite power. And when I get a, a full grasp and a realization of what God has entrusted to me and to each one of us for the work of ministry, we, we what can we do but say, God, I have everything I need to open my mouth. I have everything I need to share my faith. I have everything I need. Will they all receive it? No, that's not the promise. The promise of the Father is that you would have the power there to back up the words that come out of your mouth, that will inspire you, that will give you boldness to step out and speak. Right? What good is a gospel unless we go? Go, therefore, into all the world. Some of you might say, well, do we have a street team ministry yet? Yes, right here. <laughs> when we leave this place, the street ministry starts. And when we resume next Sunday, we should be able to hear reports of how was your experience. How, how was it? You say, Pastor, you're crazy. I, I can't even speak, you know, eloquently. It doesn't matter. I didn't read about that here in the text. All it says is that we have what we need, and it's the light and power that's entrusted inside of us. So I want to speak just for a moment to the unqualified people in the room, if that's okay. Because I'm one of you. We're, we're all... Uh, in my opinion, unqualified. But you have no problem understanding the gospel is simple. And its audience, yeah, it's usually messy and complicated. But the Holy Spirit has made it abundantly clear to me that the difficulty you have isn't with the treasure, but where God has chosen to place the treasure inside of you. This is the struggle, the tension point this morning in the room. This, the Holy Spirit made it very clear to me. He said, Sunday, when you preach this word, the, the gospel is great. Yes, we get that the, the audience is a bit messy and some, you know, people's lives sometimes are complicated. But that, we all agree with those things. But when we talk about this part, this is where the tension is going to lie in the sermon. And this is what the Holy Spirit revealed to me. The difficulty we have isn't with the treasure or with the gospel, or the people it's intended for, but where God has chosen to place it inside of us. You have a testimony, you have a song of deliverance, but you never feel like you're qualified to speak to others because you're flawed. Your story still maybe isn't quite perfect. And there's a reason God chose to put His light and power inside broken and cracked pots, and we already said it, because it makes it clear that our great power is from God. It's not from us. This is the whole purpose. So I need you to see it this morning. I need you to see it. Because if you don't connect with God's heart on this and his word on this, you're just going to go on thinking, I'm never good enough. I'm unqualified because of this. I'm, I'm not able to speak because of this. I'm not able to share with that person because of that. And maybe you're bound by fear. Or what will they think? Who cares what people think? We tell the truth before God. Verse 2 of our text. 
It's his ministry, therefore we never give up. If we want to make excuses, we can, but God chose us as his people. So we have a responsibility to take what we receive every single Sunday. As unqualified as I might feel, I'm standing with the mic today. The only thing that qualifies me is that God chose me. Has nothing to do with how many years of Bible school I've taken, how many theological books I've read, how many conferences I've attended, how many podcasts I've been able to consume in the last week. Has nothing to do with that. And let me share with you why. This has been something that's been uh, replaying in my mind over and over again. If it came down to qualifications to be up here, to have this mic, I'd be in trouble because if someone more qualified walked in the room, I'd ha- mic drop, right? And I'd have to give it up and say, I don't deserve to be here. You, you need to be here. You're clearly more qualified than me. When Pastor DiStallo visits, mic drop, you should be the one. You're more qualified than me. But here's the thing. In God's economy, in God's world, in God's kingdom, it has nothing to do, or I should say it has less to do with your qualifications. It has way more to do with the calling of God on your life. When you are able to fully accept the ministry that God has called you to do, you will stand up before people you never imagined Open up your mouth and speak on his behalf. He'll fill your mouth with words that you didn't even know were there. And for me, it started in Bible school. I just went because I knew God said, go to Bible school. You know what happened? I was, on the, I was the drummer on the travel team. So we were going to churches. Some of them were big, like 1,000 people. And I was only ever the drummer. I, I wasn't the guy with the mic. And they're like, today you're going to give your testimony uh, this is like our, our band. We had a meeting before the service. We were praying, and they're like, our band leader said, you're going to give the testimony, and then you're going to represent our school and just let them know about our Bible college. Is there, and I thought, me? I'm the drummer. Ask the worship leader. They have the mic all the time. Like, we start reasoning, and I just had to learn, okay, God. And every time, I don't know why, every time I grab the microphone, And I would just tell my story. I wanted to be a professional soccer player. And then I had to pick a college. And I thought, what what happened to soccer? Maybe that was just me. And then uh, I was in college in pure and applied science. I had the lab coat, the goggles, measuring how many grams of magnesium in a science lab. And I got to the point where I said, God, who cares? How, How am I saving people? How am I helping? This is just my conversation in that lab that day. I thought, I don't care about this stuff. I really don't. And, and I just said, what am I doing here? And that's when I, I went to a Bible school for a weekend. It wasn't even to meet with God. I went to get away from school. I had a, a physics or no, sorry, it was a chemistry test on the Friday. And I knew if I left for the weekend, I could delay it till the Monday. That, I'm being real. And I thought, if I could just miss the chemistry test or at least delay it for three days, I'll be good. You know what happened in those three days? God got a hold of my life. And when I went to Bible school, every time I stood up, I was still just a drummer, right? But every time I would stand up, at the end of it, they would say, something about the way you speak, it just is so powerful. And I thought, I just told you my story about soccer, the science lab, and then, hey, if any of you are considering ministry or the call of God on your life, come to Bible school. And that was it. And people would say, 
And, and what I learned, and I'm still learning today, I'll always feel unqualified, but I know I'm called. And when I know I'm called, I don't stand here because I want to or I choose to. I stand here because I know that God has given me a ministry. And if I don't show up, I don't know who else is going to preach today. But that's why we never give up. And this morning, I want to speak about a person in my life who I know for a fact is unqualified, but, but who God still used in a great way, and that's my grandfather. Um, as I said earlier, he passed away on Friday. Uh, and I just want to say thank you to everyone who prayed uh, you know, throughout this time. Those of you who uh, even since then just say, hey, pastor, our thoughts are with you, our prayers are with you. Um, listen, this is my grandfather. It's a little hard to see, but I, I picked this picture on purpose because if you see his hand, he, like, he always spoke with his hands. And this one was the, the bad one because this is, one is, listen to me. And he would say in Italian, ascoltami. And then I knew it was like a correction or a rebuke. But this hand is when he was teaching. This is his teaching hand. And he was telling me, this is the, I took a screenshot of a video off my phone where he was telling me his testimony, where his family, uh, you know, my, my, his brother-in-laws disowned and said, oh, we don't want to hear your crazy stories about Jesus around the table and stuff like that. So he was explaining to me about all that was happening. But this is my grandfather. He, he had the heart of an evangelist. He had a vision of Jesus when he was growing up. In Italy, and this is what Jesus told him in this vision. He said, Follow me, don't turn back, and never leave me. And he never did. That that was enough. And he said, I'll follow you, Jesus. So his family disowned him. He faithfully served at Emmanuel Church in Montreal. That was my home church where Pastor Distalo was our pastor for many years. Every opportunity he got, and I kid you not, every opportunity. He would share the gospel of Jesus. Did people hate him for it? Yes. Uh, but there were many that got saved as a result of him. I had a best friend growing up in Montreal. I had no idea. But his, his father got saved. Like we were both in church, serving, doing worship from different churches. We would play at regional events and all this stuff. I didn't know till later that my grandfather was the one who witnessed to my friend's dad. And he got saved, and then here we are, byproducts of what happened there, that generation, that we are serving together in church as, as young people. We were about 15 years old because of the faithfulness of my grandfather. If a guy came to fix the air conditioning unit at the house, the guy couldn't leave, yeah, without the money, but without hearing about Jesus. And I would feel so bad sometimes because I'd see the guy's face. And he's like, what are you talking about? And my grandfather would not budge, and he wouldn't relent until he shared with him the whole gospel. And he said, now you need Jesus too. And I don't know how those always turned out, because I was still young when I remember that. I'd probably walk away. Uh, but this was my grandfather. He, he had a ministry, and he, he couldn't stop. He couldn't stop, and he couldn't give up. I remember one day I was coming home. I was working at FedEx uh, early in the morning, 4 a.m., so I would finish my day at around 1 p.m. It was winter in Montreal. It was really cold. And I just remember I was turning into the driveway, and my grandfather was out there with his shovel, 
But it, it looked like he must have stopped for about 20 minutes and he was standing there speaking to an eight-year-old young French boy. My grandfather's Italian, so could you imagine the language barrier issues? And I'm just looking at this poor eight-year-old boy listening to my grandfather who's like, you know, 80-something. And, and he was just giving him the gospel. I, I parked the car and I was listening and I could hear him talking to him about, Tu besoin Jésus. He's saying, you need Jesus in your life. And I thought, wow, my grandfather is something else. So, so incredible. And most recently, even this past week, uh, with just, you know, he's 89. And with, uh, he had fallen last week, um, uh, fractured his femur bone, got surgery. And then after that, uh, had some internal bleeding. And so he wasn't all there when I went to visit him last weekend. Um, but my sister told me throughout this week, when she went to visit, he said, you know, Stephanie, uh, it's hard now, but I'm still trying to tell people here in the hospital about Jesus. I thought, wow, like days before his final breath, the only preoccupation my grandfather had was to tell people about Jesus. What an incredible example. You, you would look at that and say, well, he must have been a, a pastor or an evangelist. No, my grandfather was unqualified. And can I tell you all the reasons why? Lack of education. I don't even know what grade he accomplished. I just know that in, in Canada he did construction because it was with his hands. And he knew how to use his hands. Lack of education. Language barrier. Right? He's Italian. Has broken French and even more broken English. And so or sometimes all three of them would come out at the same sentence. And somehow it didn't stop him, unqualified, but called to preach. Cultural barrier, old in age, but he didn't care, old, young, eight years old, it doesn't matter. He also buried his two children, which is my mom and my uncle. When my uncle was 40 in 2001, my mom was 50 in 2005, four and a half years apart buried their own children, my grandparents. Then last uh, summer, my grandmother passed away, pancreatic cancer in Montreal. We moved him here. Like, he, doesn't have an, he hadn't had an easy life either. He could have had many reasons to point the finger to God and to say, yes, I said I'd follow you, or you told me in the vision, follow me, don't turn back, never let go. But God, you took everything away from me. He could have said that, but he didn't. He still saw God as a good father. And he said, I'll never let go. And I will do what you've called me to do. And he did it literally till the last breath, till he was able to. And this is my grandfather. So he faithfully preached the gospel to everyone and anyone. Again, what's your excuse? You, you might have the tension saying, the gospel is powerful, it's the light of Christ in me, but this, this vessel is broken, it's cracked, it's, it's flawed. God knows that. And that's why he wants to use you. And that's why he wants to use you. So it's not your name that's glorified. It's his name that's glorified in you and through you. And as I was preparing um, and praying last night, I felt God give me a specific word 
And I don't do this often, and I don't take it lightly, but I actually wrote it out. And uh, I said, God, you know, if, I, if it could just flow out of my heart, it would feel more genuine. But I had to write it because it was very specific. And I believe, uh, I want to read it. I felt him tell me that today there would be someone here who once was in full-time ministry, but no longer works in that capacity and feels completely disqualified at this point in life. The Spirit of God wants you to know, whoever that is, that He's only just beginning the process for you. And there's no language barrier, and there's no other barrier, and no other excuse. I don't know if that person is here. I just had to obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit. That is someone who was in ministry, in full-time ministry, and now you, at this point in life you're not. Uh, I'm going to invite everyone to stand to your feet this morning. I don't preach for the applause of man. I, I preach for the approval of heaven. And this morning, I know for a fact that we all feel unqualified in different ways. But the only qualification we need is that we believe. And I want to close this message with one more verse in the scripture that we read. 2 Corinthians 4.13. And it simply says this in verse 13. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. I believed in God, so I spoke. If you are a believer today, you need to speak. If you're a believer today, you believe in God, then speak. Speak the gospel. Let your life speak. There are three specific areas, and we're going to pray in a second. Preach the gospel, but that's not enough. You have to make sure that you're living out the gospel with your life. It's not only in word but also indeed, our actions. The Bible says, without works, your faith is dead. Faith without works is dead. So it's not just my ability to be able to communicate what God has done, but it has to be evidenced how I live my life. The choices and the decisions I make, the fruit that comes out of me, has to also point back to the gospel. And then thirdly, let God take care of the results. So you faithfully preach the gospel and live it out. Thirdly, let God take care of the results. In Jesus' name. This is the message that God wanted for Weston on this Sunday. And as we close in prayer, I want you to know this. It doesn't matter your financial background, your cultural background, your ethnicity, the languages you speak or the languages you don't speak. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter if you're popular or you're deemed uncool in high school. None of that matters to God. You know what God wants? Your availability. That's all He cares about. If He calls you, does He have your availability? Lord, here I am. Send me. Listen, 
to the older generation in the room. Someone during worship came up to me and, and just said, I felt that there was, uh, that we ought to pray for the older generation. I didn't forget. And I, I felt that that was a confirmation, even just using the example of my grandfather, um, that you might disqualify yourself just because you've already seen the glory days, maybe, as you might refer to them, where the Holy Spirit fell, and now you're kind of uh, serving on the sidelines. And, and I don't think that that's what God wants for your generation. I, I don't know if there's a specific age, but I'll just say anyone who's over 60 or 65, if you have the elderly card and get discounts, perhaps, you might think that uh, you might get a little break when it comes to the work of the kingdom but listen, we have this ministry, therefore we never give up. And to the older generation here, uh, we're looking to you. I'm looking to you as an example in the faith. I looked to my grandfather for many years in the faith to learn and to be encouraged and inspired. And I'm still looking to the older generation. And here's the thing, we need you. We need you. That's why you're still here. You're not done yet. You can use every single breath you have for the glory of God, for the ministry that he has given you. So I'm going to just uh, pray for everyone, but in particular, I want to honor the, the word that came for our, our seniors, our elders. And, uh, and hey, we all might feel unqualified, but who cares? Who cares? Let's do the ministry that God has called us to do as individuals and as a church. Can you say amen? Amen. I'm going to invite you to lift your hands to heaven for the simple fact that it's an outward sign of inward surrender. We, we decrease so that he might increase inside of us. Father, I thank you this morning for the opportunity we have to be with your people today, the family of God. This is a safe environment this is a safe place. God, this is a place where we come to be equipped. Lord, where we come to, to be filled up that we can leave and go into the rest of our week with everything that we need to do and accomplish what you've called us to do. Father, I thank you that we are all called to a specific ministry. That, Lord, we are all called to preach. And God, that we preach not just with words, but with our life. And Father, I pray today if there's anyone here who's struggling to model and exemplify a godly life, that in the name of Jesus, you would empower them to sin no more. Lord, to live right, to live holy, to live set apart for your purpose. Father, I pray for a fresh baptism of holiness upon your church, that we would be marked, that we would be set apart. And different from the rest of the world. And I thank you for your presence. Lord, as we spend time in your presence, Lord, it, it allows the saltiness to be even saltier. And God, it allows the light to shine ever brighter. And so, Father, I thank you for this glorious light and power that you've deposited inside of every believer. 
And God, I understand clearly that we are all flawed, that we are all clay pots that are fragile, that are broken even and chipped. But Father, I thank you that you still choose to use us in spite of that fact and in spite of that reality. Why? So that your glory will shine through us. And so Father, help us to get over ourselves. Lord, just to move past it. God, we know what your word now says about it. Lord, help us to be fruitful. Help us, Lord, to be productive for your glory, God. Every opportunity we get to take advantage. I thank you for the example of our seniors in the faith. God, those who've walked maybe where we have yet to walk. Lord, we look up to them. And I pray, Lord, new strength, new power, Lord, to come upon them. As your word says, Lord, we take uh, a new grip with these tired hands. Strengthen our weak knees, God, I pray, that we will walk and not grow weary. Lord, we will run and not grow faint. And so, Father, may we mount up with wings as eagles. And Father, we wait upon you. We wait upon you, God. I thank you for the generation that went before us. Lord, I thank you for the generation, God, that is under us even, that is, uh, is growing up, Lord, in kids' ministry even. And Lord, we are all today's generation. Lord, we each have a platform for ministry that you've given us. Lord, whether it's elementary school, even daycare. Lord, if it's high school, university, college, work, on the sports field, recreational, whatever capacity. God, you've given us influence. May we use it for your glory. And so, God, we thank you for Weston. Lord, may we continue to grow to be the church you've called us to be. And God, we will be careful to give you and you alone, all the glory. It does not go to man. We will not receive it. We will deflect it to you. Lord, you receive the glory today. We ask you all this now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit accompany us on our way. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.